Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. Welcome back to our first episode of the new year. You know what? Happy New Year, Corey. Happy New Year to you, too. And Happy New Year to everybody listening. This has been, I feel like this is the longest break I've taken off the mic for for a long time. It's good to be back. Well, I missed you guys. I missed you, too. I called you every day. You never returned one of my calls. I, you know what? <laughs> I was out of office. I was yeah. out of office. <laughs> Apparently. Everyone else got a call back. No, but it's great to be back. Uh, who do we got on the show today, Corey? Today, to kick off the new year, we got Al Hag over from Impact Commercial, managing partner, and we're kind of unwrapping a lot of from the financial aspect of what is this year going to look like. He touches on interest rates. He touches a little bit on inflation and maybe how that will play out. But more importantly, one question that we got quite a bit last year that we just didn't get a chance to get Al on the show for was people who wanted to refinance their property. And that was one of the biggest problems we had with supply in our industry is because interest rates got so low during COVID and are still at historically low levels. A lot of people weren't sellers. They were refinancing, getting the equity out, and they were buying more. So you had less inventory on the market, more capital waiting to get deployed through refinancing. Al goes in today teaching us all how that can happen. Yeah. I mean, this is exciting for a number of reasons, but really different strategies to build your commercial real estate portfolio is what Al's talking about. And, uh, you know, for for people out there that are thinking you have to sell a property potentially yeah. to raise the capital to buy another one or just plug in a way to come up with that that down payment, Al demystifies the process, yeah. especially, obviously, if you're in the market yeah. on how to leverage up and build that portfolio quickly. And it's, uh, no, it's a fantastic episode. And one of the beauties of commercial, and I think when we had Peter Leung on previously, he talked a lot about when he figured out really early on before he built his massive international portfolio is when you're buying residential properties, it's a lot about you and how much do you make? What right. is your job? When you get into the commercial side of it, it's more like, who are the tenants? How much is the building generating? So it's not less onus on you, more on the property itself. And in commercial real estate, we've been very fortunate to see we've had lease rates have grow at exponential times over the past three or four years. The amount of equity that is built up in those properties and the amount of cash flow that's built out in those properties, Al teaches us how you can tap into that while keeping your property, but also expanding your portfolio at the same time. This is it. Tapping into to that existing equity. Super exciting episode. But before we get to that, Corey, you were in Whistler, weren't you, over the break? I, I was in Whistler, were... yeah. I was in Whistler for a few days. I took the the kiddos up there. And Did you actually ski? Uh, well, so my oldest boy is six, six and a half now. Yeah. He always tells me every time it's 66 and a half now. <laughs> so we got, a, we got a six and a half year old and a four and a half year old. And if you've been to Whistler, in the village there where they have the outdoor skating rink, Right. There's a section right next to it where I think they plow all the snow in the village that kind of plows yeah. up there. So yeah. you get about a good, call it four foot bump maybe. <laughs> yeah. So we probably, in the three days we were there, we probably spent a combined 30 hours on the toboggan sleds 
on the four foot bump over and over and over again. The, and uh, this reminds me, I went, I was uh, lucky enough as a kid to go to Florida yeah. uh, and uh, my dad still brings it up that we spent more time riding the elevator uh, <laughs> in the hotel well, than doing anything else. I can honestly say this was the most expensive sledding <laughs> trip I think I've ever done. But the boys loved it. It was, it, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't as busy as I anticipated it would be. Really? Now we were up there previously to Christmas and we came back on the 23rd. So you still might have that Christmas into New Year's rush, but it wasn't as busy as I anticipated. I'm guessing that's just from the, the you know, the, everything that kind of got rolled out right before. Right, right. Probably limited it, but it was a lot of fun. Nevertheless, the weather was great. It was cold. It was snowing. Everything you think would be Whistler was there. Yeah. Well, I was there on Friday and I can tell you, I didn't go inside, but I was standing next to Longhorns uh, yeah. oh, at about yeah. 3.30 on Friday yeah. after the hill shut down. Yeah. And uh, I looked like a super spreader event. It was <laughs> it was going bananas in there. <laughs> looked like, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I got I stood my distance and uh, and uh, drove back to Vancouver. But no, it was great. The conditions on the hill were great. I don't know if you actually did actually no, get on no, the hill at all. No, no I did. More... I, I, the hill I got on was the four foot bomb. <laughs> okay. That's the hill I got on. That's the hill I got. On. But it's good to hear you had some time away, Corey, because the commercial market did not slow down. I think we all. We're hoping for a little bit of a break coming off this past year, but in our business, like you, it's, it's, you just never know. It was so incredibly busy all through the holidays up to New Year. You had about a one or two day slowdown. And even last week with all the kids home from school, yeah, lights out busy. Really? Like incredibly busy where everyone's you know clamoring to keep up with demand right now. And I think as we kind of predicted going into Q1 and Q2 of this year, the threat of interest rates rising, which Al touches a little bit on, the threat of, of inflation that's out there right now, lack of supply that's available, and the really cheap money in the marketplace, it is becoming a firestorm of activity. And even on the leasing side of it, not just the sales side, the leasing side of it, which I think is a lot of optimism back in the market that we felt over the past six months where people are kind of getting back to normal or trying to get back to normal. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to make this comment. I don't want this to be a disrespectful comment to the medical world because that's not what I mean it as. A pandemic has an end. And I think we're dealing with life at this point, where by that I mean that the, this COVID could be around a lot more than we anticipated it could be, and we're learning how to live with it the best we can, and there could be more and more variants that could materialize over the next couple of years. So I think, you I mean, from a business standpoint, people are learning to live with COVID, and they're trying to pivot their businesses around it to find out how they can still operate, whether that be on a restaurant side where maybe you've got a bigger takeout window now for drivers to pick up from, Whatever it is, I think we're now starting to see the effects of that of people like understanding this is going to be around for a lot longer than we anticipated. Right. And one thing that I'm just curious about inventory levels, uh, everyone's heard, I'm sure, because the it's just been, you know, if you're looking at the news, residential inventory yeah. levels are at 30 year lows. Where are we at on the commercial side? We're seeing the same thing. Inventory is very scarce. And one thing, too, that I think a lot of people might find surprising, and we've got a great episode coming up here in the near couple of weeks to talk about it is when you look at like the office vacancies downtown, and although you mean a lot of the government tenants and a lot of the big banks and stuff like that, like they're still not tenanting their buildings, a lot of these tenants are renewing their rents or renewing their leases, and a lot of them at a higher lease rate. So not only have they not been in the building per se, but they're renewing their terms for another three, five, and 10-year term, but they're renewing them at higher than what they're paying now. So I think that speaks a lot to where people think this is going to go because Vancouver's always suffered from not being a head office city. Right. We've never had a lot of office space because of all, a lot of the, the land restraints that we have downtown. And with the demand for it growing pre-COVID, 
I think you're going to find that as people start to get back into the offices over the next six months, the way companies are renewing leases, it's a, a good sign for the future that people will still occupy these offices. Now, there could be less employees, could be a hybrid between home and that. They could all be back at work for all we know. Right. But the fact that people are, are renewing their leases at higher rates, I think that speaks for something. No, that's a that's a great point, Corey. And before we cut to our talk with Alan Haig, uh, I think this show's got a sponsor this week, doesn't it? We've got the amazing guys over at Impact Commercial Group with over 50 years of lending experience for all your commercial lending needs. Visit them at impactcommercial.ca. And Al is our first two-time guest. Past guest, fan favorite. I don't know if I've been on this show since I... You know what? I've been... I mean, my life feels fulfilled right now because I was dying to hear those words on this on this show. I, I I don't even know if I could even do another show past this. Oh yeah, yeah. It's no, it's very, it's a very exciting moment for the <laughs> Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I was I was going to say not only past guest fan favorite, Al was at the William Wright Christmas party that I attended, and yes. man, I think I say because of chess we should be friends. But he's he's a pretty great guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a lot a of great fun. Guy. Uh, he's a lot yeah. of fun. That guy. Uh, so yeah, it's great. It was great putting uh, a face to the name. Great, great people over at Impact. But uh, maybe we should cut to our talk with Al. Enjoy, guys. All right, so we're here with Alan Haig, managing partner, Impact Commercial. Al, how are you doing today? Fabulous, Corey. How are you doing? Good, good. Happy New Year. And to you as well. What, what happened to the presenting sponsor with uh, all this stuff? Oh, we, 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 do all, partner, we do all that right? stuff. We do all that stuff after. <laughs> we do all, all the okay, magic happens you. after. But I think this is official. Matt, oh, I'm going okay. to let you take your hands with this one. Al is our first time ever repeat guest. I would say this is a past guest fan favorite. This is a Matt's <laughs> specialty past guest fan favorite. Our first okay. two-time guest. Woohoo! All right, I'm blessed, boys. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for taking taking the time again, Al. It's always great to to talk with you about financing in the commercial world. You know what? Absolutely. It's uh, always fun jumping on this thing here. And Corey knows it on a separate side. We do. Uh, uh, we have a lot of fun doing what we're doing. So, Al, for our guests that don't know who you are, can you maybe explain to us a little bit more who you are in Impact Commercial? Okay, great. Uh, you know what? I am just the one of the partners at Impact Commercial. Generally take all the managing uh, duties here, but we've got some excellent group of uh, mortgage brokers. And so where we end up uh, trying to uh, sort of extrapolate this thing here is like we are commercial mortgage brokers. A lot of people there, uh, as Matt would know, is that you know they got residential mortgage brokers. We are commercial mortgage brokers that work with our clients. And then we go out to the market trying to figure out what would be the best solution for them. And it's not all about rates or fees or anything like that. It's what is the best solution for the unique needs of the client at that very particular uh, moment in time. And then we also sort of caveat where we try to give some advice on what do you do for the next steps? Because we're the relationship business here and we want to make sure all of our clients are getting the you know the best uh, uh, knowledge and expertise that we can possibly give. Well, I'm going to give you a shameless plug here because I think a lot of people, when they go buy a house, they sort of traditionally just walk into you know the CIBC or the BMO where they've done their banking for 25 years and they get themselves their mortgage to buy their condo or their house. But in commercial, it's a completely different animal. And the advantages of having a mortgage broker, a good mortgage broker that knows commercial to go out there, pays for themselves times 10. And the opportunities that exist in the capital markets that Al and his team can bring forward can sometimes make or break a property for a lot of people. And a lot of people don't realize in commercial, you get bad financing on a property, you might take a good property and make it bad. 
And like I said, we've always, I've always used Al for all of our stuff. So I wanted to just give you a shameless plug there to make sure, make sure you know how good of a job you're doing. Oh, thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. So the first time I think Al, you were on the show, we were talking about nuts and bolts, financing 101 in the commercial world. Can we talk a little bit about strategies that you folks implement over at, at Impact to build a commercial real estate portfolio? You know, absolutely. So one of the aspects where it is, is I, I do really need to send out a little note of thanks to all of our fabulous clients and our strategic partners uh, when it comes to helping uh, you know, our clients achieve their success. We're a small part of it. You know, yeah, we have our role, but we work with fantastic commercial realtors, you know, fantastic lawyers, you know, just there's so many good people within our network and our team when it kind of comes to supporting the clients. So for us, it's all about the clients. And I'm just going to pass along some lessons that some of my best clients, if I want to call them the serial refinancing guys that they have used to build up their, their their quite amazing portfolios over the course of you know five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years. It, it is quite uh, you know quite exceptional in what some of them have done. So let, let's dive yeah. let's dive into that because that's one thing that I mean a lot of people may or may not understand where you get these equity growth and a lot of people think the only only way to get that equity is to sell the property and buy another one. But one thing that you guys specialize in, Al, is helping clients refinance to build their portfolios. So can we sort of maybe talk a little bit more about that in detail? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to kind of just break it down into a simple nuts and bolts example. And that will help everybody kind of figure out where I'm kind of going with this. So if you buy a property, and let's just say the property is a million bucks, and it's got a 5% cap rate. And for those of you new to the financing game or the commercial property game, a 5% capitalization rate simply just means that you've got, you know, 50,000 bucks of income for, you know, a million dollar piece of property. And so everybody can, so when we buy that property there, we have that 50 grand. That's what we use to, you know, to support the mortgage debt on there. Now I'm just going to use an example of, you know, we have a property of a million bucks. We've got $50,000 in income. We have, we can afford a $700,000 mortgage. So what we've got there is we've got leverage of 70% loan to value on that. Now, the great thing that happens is that due to our location in the lower mainland of Vancouver, we have seen substantial increase in lease rates over the last sort of three, four, five, ten years. However you want to frame it, we've seen these massive increases. So what I'm going to give it as an example is that if that $50,000 of uh, income increases to $75,000 worth of income, well then, you know, assuming a 5% capitalization rate, we've now got a property that's valued at one and a half million. And so you've increased your equity right off the bat by half a million bucks simply by having an increase in the income of that property. Now, the cool thing about all this stuff here is when your property goes up and your income goes up, then we can get our mortgage to go up. So when we look at this thing here is just, again, keeping it at the same 70% leverage, we're now at a mortgage amount of like $1.05 million, which means you've got an extra $350,000 worth of equity that you can tap into that when you find another property, you could tap that equity, get that uh, out and put it into it as the deposit of another property that you can do. So this is the basic example of when income goes up on your property there, you can increase your leverage. What do you do with that leverage? You use that to purchase another piece of property. And obviously, you're going to be uh, getting a mortgage on that one there. And so you've taken one property and its income growth over the last you know, few years, and now you've got two properties. So that is sort of like in its nutshell, the miracle of how you use leverage to start the building of your commercial portfolio. 
Somebody out there is probably thinking 5% cap rate. Is that kind of standard in, in Vancouver? Is that, are those fluctuating? How do you, I guess, take those increases to, to the income the property is generating and establish a new value? Yeah, and so we're met. Well, the reason why I use five percent is just because everybody can use, you know, in their mind, you know, five percent is easy to understand on, right. on a, you know, on a million bucks. There's lots of different cap rates, and as Corey can probably expand on a little bit, is that you've got, uh, you know, different asset classes have different cap rates. Different geographic areas have uh, different cap rates. You know, we're financing, you know, five percent uh, cap rate properties in some of the great areas like Nanaimo, like uh, Victoria like Kelowna, those things there. And obviously, lower mainland, if you're looking at a piece of industrial property in the lower mainland, you're, you're looking at cap rates in the 2% to 5% range. So it's a little bit different than, uh, you know, as I've mentioned. What this is just more of an example to go, hey, listen, you know, this is what you buy property and you see income growth from it, from increasing lease rates then, you know, you are, you know, let's look at building a portfolio because if you end up selling your property to get your equity out, then you just lost it. To try to get that property back, if it's a good one, is it will be almost impossible. So Al, can we sort of maybe just elaborate a little bit on that, maybe on the debt servicing side of things for our listeners? So if I have a property for a million dollars and it's got a five cap rate, then I have $50,000 in typically is your base rent or your NOI on the property. I use that money for debt servicing. So is it now fair when a bank is looking at that type of income to apply sort of a loan to value to that. They take that 50,000 divided by 12 gives my monthly base rent or my NOI for the property. And they kind of try to squish the mortgage payment within that number to see what it can afford. Is that kind of how the, you know, we may be very, very broad strokes, but is that kind of how the banks and you guys look at that stuff? Yeah, exactly how you look at it. So where it ends up being is that Divided by 12 to get your, your mortgage, what you can afford to pay as your mortgage. Banks use a debt service coverage, which means that, you know, they don't give you credit for, you know, 100% of the income. They're going to give you credit for, you know, a certain amount, but they have to have a buffer in there. Like regulatory requirements state that, you know, you can't lend, you know, uh, have a mortgage payment of a dollar to an income of a dollar. You have to have usually a mortgage payment of 80, uh, 80 cents to an income of a buck. That's, okay. that's kind of where it ends up. There's always going to be a little bit of a buffer in there. So that would be like a 1.2 when they look at yeah, the, I, the, the ratios then, something to that effect? Something to that effect, you betcha. Okay. So a lot of lenders are anywhere from like a 1.15 you know, times to like a 1.5 times. It just depends on, you know, if you've got, you know, your, uh, your tenant quality is great. So if you've got like a, you know, a national chain, like a Canadian tire in there, or, you know, have you got a, you know, local, uh, you know, nail salon in there? There's very different profiles on what you can achieve due to the stability of the tenant. So Al, let's assume here, and just to dig in a little deeper, let's assume, so you buy the property at a million, all the terms are the same. You have $50,000 of, of net operating income, 5% cap rate. We're on year four or five of a five-year fixed term, and you've raised those, the net operating income to 75000 just as we, as we uh, talked about right off the bat. Can we talk about the process of, you know, what next? Hey, great. You know, the cash flow is great on this property, but how do I actually take that good cash flow and grow a portfolio? Okay, so when you take the, uh, the cash flow there, then you kind of come and you chat with me and say, hey, I got a, I got a new lease that's, uh, you know, signed. It's going to take effect in, uh, in a couple of months. 
with my tenant and the, you know, the income is going to go from 50 to 75,000. Okay. Then what I have is we go out and we get an appraisal of the property, uh, comes in with that lease. You're going to get your new value. We're going to have our new income. Then I can take that out to the, uh, you know, the market. I can figure out who's going to be the best fit given the, uh, you know, the current, uh, time because everything does has a tendency to change. And then we can try to find a new updated solution for you guys. A lot of the times that can stay with the existing lender, but sometimes, uh, you know, on the occasion, we will actually move it out to, uh, you know, another lender who's a little bit more flexible and is, uh, can free up that additional equity for you so that you can now have, you know, you know, that, that, uh, difference at 350,000 bucks sitting in your bank account and you can wait to go and now you can go out and de- deploy that on another purchase. And in these scenarios, what you're seeing is, is people in strong past purchases they can actually go out and buy another property without actually coming up with any additional funds if they have that equity in the existing property. Well, it's if they have that equity and they have the cash flow. So that's the beautiful thing about being in the lower mainland. We have seen such an increase of lease rates over the last five years that, uh, you know, where we were looking at, I don't know, when I started in this, uh, you know, Jesus, like industrial uh, lease rates were like four bucks a square foot. You know, now you're looking at, you know, for some of the larger ones uh, on the light industrial side, you're looking at 20 bucks a square foot. So what you have seen is just massive increases in cash flow. And it's with that cash flow that lenders will flock to you. Lenders love cash flow. So if we can just, uh, you know, get that cash flow up, then, you know what, there's lots of lender opportunities for you there to take additional equity out and put into more uh, commercial purchases. And then what happens is when you bought, you know, gone from one to two, uh, we've seen clients go from two to four within a very short period of time, two to three years, due to being prudent uh, purchases of property. So it is, it's an amazing, uh, powerful multiplier effect by using the cash flow of properties to support, you know, greater financing. Now, one thing we talk a lot about on the show, Al, is, is I'm a big component of cash flow, which is becoming harder and harder to find with a lower mainland address. You were having to go out to markets, like you suggested earlier. Victoria, Nanaimo, Kamloops, and Kelowna areas that are growing rapidly, which we think are great investments. So if I'm, say, I'm buying something in Nanaimo at a five cap, but I'm taking that same office building and I plunk it in Vancouver, and now I'm buying it with a two and a half cap, my down payment requirements to acquire that property so it becomes attractive to a bank would be a far higher down payment requirement because my income is half of what it is in the Nanaimo because of my purchase price. Are you guys seeing a lot right now where, you I mean, a lot of people are buying stuff thinking they're going to get a lot smaller down payments and getting shot down really quickly because the cap rates are just so ungodly low right now? Well, I think what's where you're uh, talking about is, um, you know, just in Vancouver, it's so hard to find good properties, A, in general. Yep. But then it also is, is that, you know, you start looking at a, you know, say, a, a $3 million property and you got to put 50% uh, down on that. That's a $1.5 million nut yeah. that, you know, that, that's a little harder, to, you know, for people to, you know, to come to, to find. You're also dealing with, there's just so many good, sophisticated investors in, uh, in the lower mainland that, you know, a continual, uh, you know, purchasing of there. Where in some of the other areas, you know, if you don't have, you know, a five, six million dollars, you know, burning a hole in your bank account, you can go out and you can, you know, you can get a two million dollar property in, in Nanaimo with only a, you know, a half a million dollar down payment. 
Like those are still available. You can go out to Penticton and you can do the same thing. So what we have seen, and a lot of these, uh, you know, publications have been talking about, you know, the migration of, uh, you know, of the population where they're getting priced out of Vancouver and then they're going to those outer regions, such as the Fraser Valley, which I've been reading some really good reports on in the last little while. So it ends up being you just get pushed out a little bit. Your money goes a little farther elsewhere. And in the game of commercial financing, it's all about cash flow. So we are seeing, you know, quite a number of people starting to move out of, uh, say, the city of Vancouver, moving into the Langleys, the Missions, the Surreys, the Chilliwacks, all sorts of other places. So that's what we're seeing when it comes to, you know, the search for cash flow. Is there some banks that are much more bullish on certain markets? Like if I show up and I've got the best deal of best deals, but it's sitting on the outskirts of Prince George and I come to you with it. Are you getting any return phone calls from lenders or are you getting lenders that are like crawling over each other just to lend on something that's got cash flow? How, how important is the location? Uh, the location is very important. Well, let's not kid ourselves. Like, you know, there are, we've got law access to lots of great lenders, but if anybody who's been in this game for long enough, they know that lenders can kind of, you know, they're, they're beautiful people, but they do go in and out of the market on their aggressiveness uh, due to, you know, changing desires by their credit groups on what is, uh, what's important to them and their liquidity. So you can never expect to go to one lender entirely and, and have all your needs satisfied. It's just, it's not proof. So that's why you go, always go to the market. You always use a, you know, a broker to get you the best terms on there. But what happens in smaller markets, and you know, you just have to be cognizant of, is that in smaller markets within BC, you do have you know less lender interest. Like while you've got say like forty or fifty different types of lenders wanting City of Vancouver stuff, you know, you're going to have you know much smaller amount uh, number of lenders in smaller rural areas, and that's just the nature of the beast. Like you can't expect to have you know your biggest and best lenders going to do you know uh, you know finance properties and smaller areas like Prince George where you know you you've got you know you know the 10 million dollar purchase or 5 million dollar purchase is is actually very meaningful for those smaller areas it just doesn't quite happen the same way as it does in Vancouver on a different note here al in the residential kind of area somebody will you know think okay here's my plan i have you know i want to buy a property next year a property two years from now and then they'll maybe be a small business owner that doesn't pay themselves enough, you know? And then it's like, oh, actually we need two years of income. You know, your 2020 was low. It's going to take you a while to get build up. Is there things on the commercial side of lending where you're like, man, your portfolio looks great, but personally, uh, you're a bit of a dog's breakfast here. I wish you would have came to me two years ago and uh, we could have kind of coached you as to how to, to look better on paper. Do you see specific mistakes people make? Or is that not even an issue? Matt, you know what, Matt's running just... late for an open house, so we apologize. <laughs> yeah. you know what, we, I'm the everyman on, the... on, this, uh, on this call. Yeah, no, and that's awesome. Again, it comes down to cash flow, right? This is commercial lending is all about the cash flow of the property. So from uh, your personal side, it doesn't really impact uh, necessarily in regards to what your, you know, your personal income is. Um, your leverage on your commercial properties will be what the, you know, your lease rates and your income of that, res of that commercial property can support as in a mortgage. So it's a pretty much, uh, you know, you know, black and white uh, where it kind of comes down to it. Now, the aspect where you might be 
hinting at, and I'm just going to dive in there because it's, uh, I saw the opening here, is that when you are like business for self and you're in an owner-occupier type situation where, you know what, you might have a plumbing company or an electrical company that you operate your business, but you also own the property that you are in. Now, that is where, you know, it's the business income that supports the mortgage payment. So if you are, like, as happens with COVID, you know, COVID has taken some businesses and kind of shifted them sideways, up and down, all over the place. That's where working with us on an ongoing basis, just to give us, you know, where's your cash flow? How are your financials doing? How can we ensure that we are setting up your financial statements, you know, to reflect, you know, what you need to them to reflect in order to get your financing, you know, in that one year two years, three years uh, down the road. And that, that's just the, the thing that happens when you're owner-occupied financing. I can say from, a, from experience is I didn't realize how much went into the guidance part of Al's business with regards to that. Because when we, as we grow our business and we try to acquire more buildings and more markets that we go into, there's a lot of strategic planning that happens years in advance. So without Al's help and guidance, I can honestly say we probably wouldn't be able to get to the stage we have already. Because a lot of people think they just make cash and they just like, oh, I'll buy a building, I'll buy a building. But there's so many things behind the scenes from a banking standpoint that getting someone like Al involved really, really early is really important, especially if you have a three or five-year horizon you want to achieve. So Al, you see all these deals everywhere. Where are people buying? And Al, sorry, as a as a an addition to that, if somebody's looking to buy right now and is very excited about uh, increasing the the rental income over time, what asset class are you are you looking at? So what town and what <laughs> asset class in that town is what Matt's Matt, asking for. <laughs> okay, well. These are great questions here, and I am going to be very honest with you is that there is an unbelievable amount of buyers out there looking to purchase almost every single asset class in almost every single you know district or city within BC. BC has some absolutely enviable you know traits, especially you know, the lower mainland and the fact that we've got, you know, the ocean to the west, the mountains to the north, the agricultural land reserve to the east and the border to the south. Like we are like the perfect area for, you know, larger institutions to be buying, you know, bigger bucks here in the lower mainland. And that's just pushing everything out. Like there's this like, you know, you, you've heard of this stuff is like a drop a stone in the water and all the ripples kind of, uh, you know, impact. And so, you know, we are, you know, we're doing stuff all over the island. Like you want to talk about Campbell River, you want to talk about Duncan, you want to talk about, uh, you know, stuff, you know, in Vernon, in Salmon Arm, you know, Prince George, Fort St. John, you know, Penticton, like there are buyers almost, uh, you know, everywhere for, for everything. And, and I think, Corey, you'd probably be able to speak to that with the, you know, your different offices and then how active, like how many, how many phone calls uh, they get on any single listing that kind of comes out. It is incredible. So I'm just going to be sort of putting out there is that incredible demand for all types of properties in, uh, in BC. When it kind of comes to specific asset classes, you know, I'm going to go and like everybody is familiar with the beds and sheds, uh, which is simply just like, you know, your industrial and your, you know, your multifamily rental. You know, some of the aspects we are, where we're sort of seeing and some of my more aggressive guys are starting to get into more of that, you know, that, that sort of retail play again. And, and, you know, the retail has been out, you know, for the last several years, obviously with COVID, but the one of the things that's kind of cool with the retail is that they sit on very well located properties. 
Now, is that retail use going to be there forever and a day? The answer is kind of probably not. But is that the prices have uh, are at the say at the level, and just the locations of these retail, like smaller retail strip malls, uh, if you want to call it like that, they're almost kind of coming into as that as a covered land play. So they're they're not actually yes they're typically a retail asset, but you have to look at them as a covered land play. So we're we're seeing that people are buying those with the intent to develop in five ten years time. So we're seeing more of that that aspect starting to crack through over the last sort of three, four, five months. So there's a lot of speculation where interest rates are going. A large driving force over the past probably 18 to 24 months has been historically low interest rates. You're on the front lines of that industry. Where are interest rates going? <laughs> All right. Let me pull out my, uh, my crystal ball here. And don't worry. Right. Don't worry. All 12 of our listeners won't tell anyone about what you say. So we'll be good. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so I guess where I sort of come into it, and again, reading tons and tons of reports, and I think I'm almost like it's, uh, you know, they talk about, uh, you know, how much noise can you handle in in regards to all the fluff that goes around, you know, the the different stuff. So I'm of the belief that, you know, our, our economy is on the road to recovery. You know, that's really the big thing. And so when your economy is on the road to recovery, we do see increasing interest rates. So if I'm going to sort of call it where it is, I think we are going to start seeing the Bank of Canada start moving some of their interest rate, uh, their their overnight rate up over the next year, probably about almost up to 1%. I, I really do think that interest rates are, are going to be up about 1% over the next sort of you know 12 months. The one caveat that we have with all this stuff here is, and I'm going to get technical on two different aspects. You know, one is this, you know, supposed inflation that is out there. And I kind of do believe it is a little bit transitory where I do think that once all these logistics issues with COVID uh, get sorted out, we're not going to see that as, as a mainstay. So that's sort of one aspect. And the other aspect is like, man, oh man, I don't know about you guys, but everybody has been hooked on debt these days. So if everybody is hooked on debt and they're used to, say, like a 3% interest rate, and then they are now suddenly at 4% or 4.5%, that's an increase of 50% on your borrowing costs. Well, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know what? If uh, your everybody's budget went up 50%, is that I think that people would start to feel the pain a little bit. And so I'm not sure if we're going to be able to increase interest rates, you know, to, to the extent that uh, maybe there was uh, in the past to combat, uh, you know, inflation. I hope, hopefully that makes sense. It's a little convoluted answer, but I'm just thinking that it'll be tough to go too, too high on interest rates. But you're still thinking four times in 2022? Um, probably three times. If you were to give me a betting man, I would probably say three times, yes. Three three quarter points. and and so. Al, I'm just thinking from somebody out there who is used to the residential market, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, there's a bit of a gap right <laughs> now between fixed and variable, at least in the on the residential side. Is it work exactly the same in commercial? And what would be your strategy if you have a variable rate right now? Would you be locking in or what are your thoughts there? Okay, so one of the stuff is, which is a little, what this is one of the areas that's different between commercial and residential is in general, most commercial financing is term financing. So you're looking at one to five year fixed terms. Variable financing just isn't quite there unless you're doing some kind of a construction facility where you're, you know, prime plus or minus, depending on what kind of facility you're at. So on the commercial side, you kind of take the guesswork out of it, if you know what I mean on that thing. 
So it's it's fixed. Would you be so yeah. I guess then the question becomes in terms of how long the term is and, and rates, what would you be doing if you were buying in early 2022 looking at the landscape? Would you be would you be locking in for five years right now? Asking for you know, a friend. <laughs> yeah, like and, and so where it kind of comes into it is you have sort of two uh, two thought processes there. And I'd be either doing the three or the five year term. Definitely want to go, you know, longer than shorter. Now, the aspect that kind of comes in, we're still historically at low rates, and which is fantastic. But I don't know about you guys, but I got a pretty busy life. And so, you know what, we've got a business to run, clients to serve, a family to get home to on a regular basis. Uh, and I'm not necessarily looking to, you know, be perfect. And, and so, you know, where I'm kind of at that, that sort of slogan is, uh, you know, perfect is the enemy of great. I'm not going to try to like pick it too tightly. And, and it's just like kind of in the investment market. Do you, can you time the market perfectly? And the answer is no. So where I end up looking at it, I just go, you know, go with the five year, you know, it, it's, you're going to get the best discount from banks and credit unions and lenders on a, on a longer term because they allows them to hedge there. So you get a bigger discount off of that rate. You can set and forget it for the next five years, and you're just going to be in a really good spot in, in, in five years. You can go out and you know live your life uh, you know quite comfortably and, and rest at night knowing that you don't need to worry about it for five years. Great advice. So, Al, we, uh, we've got the, the six-pack that you're well aware of. We know we've taken up quite a bit of your time. Can we, uh, you mm-hmm. want to hang out with us for just a little bit longer? Absolutely. So the six pack is brought to you by our good friends over at Redpoint Law. For all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca. All right, Al, we got a little bit of a different one here because you are our our second, you're our first time repeat guest. So we've had to change up some of the questions here a little bit. So we're going to, we'll start you off with, uh, what was your best Christmas gift? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just, I, I just, I love this stuff here. Oh, 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 you know, you totally, uh, you know, and, 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 your, and your wife will probably listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah, I was just say so it you probably know. depends on who just listens. Just so you know. <laughs> oh, hold on a sec here. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say it was, uh, you know, the the chessboard that I got. So yeah, um, I got a chessboard too. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should be friends. You know <laughs> you know what it comes down to it is like you gotta it was actually a nice gift for my wife to uh you know to me and one of my daughters who wants to play chess and so it is i had to you know dust off my chess playing skills because i haven't been doing it for a while and it was uh yeah so that was awesome okay how old is your daughter uh because i was trying to get my 10 year old interested and it was uh it was, it was a bit of a slog Oh, uh, mine is 14. So I've got 11, 14 and 15. And so it was the 14 year old that I was, uh, you know, going head to head with. I still haven't figured out checkers. Never mind chess. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what the crazy thing is, is that she actually beat me. So So I'm like going, Oh God, I'm getting old. My 14 year old is beating me at chess. Oh man. Okay. Well, yeah. If you're ever up for a game, Al, let me know. I'm, uh, I'm, Probably still worse than you, I'd imagine, but uh, but keen to play. Next question for you: favorite movie or TV show? Favorite movie or TV show? Um, geez, I'm going to be having to. Uh, <sighs> favorite movie or TV show? Oh man, these are like huge stompers on me on this stuff here, man. Guys, you guys are like stepping it up on this thing. Here. <laughs> Um, we can suggest shows not to, uh, we can suggest shows not to pick like Yellowstone. 
<laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm not going to pick Yellowstone. Although it's like everybody loves Yellowstone on this one here. Is that uh, I'm going to just come out there as like probably my favorite TV show right now. I kind of got hooked on it uh, the other year. Uh, was uh, I think it's on Netflix. It's like the Witcher uh, kind of thing there. I, I kind of got sucked into that one there. I don't mind it there with uh, Henry Cavill. It, is it called The Witcher? The Witcher. Total sci-fi little one there, but it's, uh, you know, I kind of dig that stuff. <laughs> Favorite band. And we remember band? We, band, music band. And we remember who you said last time. So we're testing you here to see if this guy, this group is still your favorite. <laughs> oh, okay. you know, it'll never uh, change. Dave Matthews band. Oh. Wow. Oh, oh, or did you have um, Pearl Jam? I think it was Pearl I think it was Jam. Pearl Jam. And you then what, Dave though, Matthews Al? had us had a <laughs> close second. Dave, yeah, Dave Matthews. I'm telling you, Al, we could be friends. I love I, you know, all right? <laughs> as, as a kid, actually as a kid, when I was like 20, I think 20 to 25 or whatever it was, I went down to the gorge every summer to see Dave Matthews on Labor Day. For no, three kidding. Yeah, three nights of Dave Matthews. So the the strange thing here is because you're such a nickelback fan, I thought you had zero taste in music. Oh, but well, it, it sounds, oh. sounds like sounds like you've actually went Don't over to the, the dark side. you have a multiple side. offer situation <laughs> yeah. to go to right now or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nickelback was still the best, my favorite, but Dave Matthews was a close second at the time. <laughs> yeah, always gotta love Dave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one book you would recommend, and I feel like the good being. The Enemy of Great or whatever the... Good to Great by Jim Collins. Yeah, right. I, for some reason, I feel like that might be one that you'd recommend, but I'll leave it in your court. You know what? I'm just going to... You know, there's this one book that actually I just got given it. And I'm going to talk about this one here because I I haven't read it yet, but the concept is really important, you know, to all those around uh, me and us. And so it's a book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. And I'm going to actually read this one here, like with a voracious appetite, because some of the aspects were, you know, and maybe this is my age that, you know, I'm kind of getting at because I'm, uh, you know, I just turned 47. And where it ends up being is, you know, long gone are the days when you're 20s and 30s and, you know, you're trying to prove everything on this stuff here. And, you know, it's, 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 it's like, you know, we're, 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 what makes you the happiest? Like everybody who needs to, you know, drive forward, you know, a successful business wants to have a rewarding, you know, family life, you know, have, have friends and family around there. And so, you know, it's, it's very important for me just to sort of make sure that, you know, we all stop taking ourselves too seriously. And so, you know, where you got to start is just like the ego and then they allows you to just focus on what's important to you. And so, you know, you're never going to go to the grave with, you know, bucket loads of cash. You're going to go to the grave with friends and family and successes and partners and achievements that you are, you know, you're most proud of. And so that's sort of the aspect where we're trying to, uh, you know, focus on, you know, that aspect uh, on a go forth basis here. Good one. Favorite restaurant or bar? Favorite restaurant or bar? I don't want to do some of the typical stuff there. Uh, bar. I saw you in the line at the Roxy on Sunday. So is that, <laughs> would that be there? You know what? Long gone are the days of Roxy, my friend. Um, Yo, know, Jesus. You know what? I'm going to uh, give a little shout out to the, uh, to the guys at Fiorino. 
which is in East Vancouver, a great group. We had our, uh, you know, our, uh, our, our Christmas slash uh, Happy New Year uh, celebration there. Corey, you were there as well. Uh, you know, a, a great, you know, local smaller food uh, thing, which is kind of, you know, it's a nice change from going to the, you know, their usual casual fine diners. And so they did a great job there. I'm really happy with, uh, you know, the Fiorino. Yeah, I will, I will echo that because I hung out by the table of food all night. And every time someone would look the other way, I'd probably grab at least enough food for six people <laughs> as if I was taking it back to their table. And I just kind of walk into the corner and eat it myself. So the food there was great. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was great. So I was at the bar drinking them with gin all night. <laughs> well, I, I was eating enough food for me and you, so I guess we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right, now, last question. A piece of advice you would give our listeners, let's say someone who's looking to invest in commercial real estate or even refinance. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it's maybe building on the strategies for building a commercial real estate portfolio, something maybe we haven't touched on or, or a general piece of advice. You know, it's a, it's a great question. I get this, uh, you know, quite a lot. You know, my, my thing that always kind of comes back is, you know, don't necessarily try to build your knowledge of every single aspect of the process is, you know, the, you know, my best clients, they work with the best people. And so that ends up being is my, always my piece of advice is, you know, surround yourself with the best people because if you do that there and you hope that those people are smarter than you. But if you do that, then you're going to get the best advice, best guidance, best knowledge, best service, best pricing, best everything there. And that's one of the stuff there where, you know, I've got to give a little shout out to the William Wright crew is that, man, oh, man, what uh, what they've done in the last couple of years with their clients has been, you know, incredibly impressive. Uh, we're very fortunate, to, you know, to have a partnership where, you know, the the clients can, you know, be surrounded by good people. Right. And then, you know, you got the advice, you got the knowledge and you just things seem to work out when you have the right people, you know, in the right positions uh, on the bus going in the same direction. We appreciate it. We're fortunate to have good guys like you help us do that. And how can, uh, Al, how can people uh, reach out to you and find out more about what you guys are doing over at Impact? You know what? It's uh, not hard to find us. We're on the, uh, you know, you can Google us at uh, impactcommercial.ca or you can reach out to any one of us. Uh, you know, my direct uh, line is 604-999-2265. Always happy to help out. One of the things that, uh, you know, we've been uh, blessed over the last years to grow quite nicely. So we've got, you know, you know, good team here and, and, uh, you know, we generally uh, work with clients, uh, you know, two or three of us on the team support the clients to help them, you know, achieve their, their goals. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much again for your time, Al. It's uh, always a pleasure. And I guess I'll see you on the chessboard. <laughs> Absolutely. Send me a link. We'll do the online chat, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that, that sounds good. That sounds good. All right, Al. Thanks so much for your time. Once again, we appreciate it. You got it, guys. Have yourself a great one and talk to you. Great. Thanks, Al. Take care. Take care. There you have it, folks. Our first official interview of 2022, Al, Impact Commercial. What's better? Started off with a bang. I love that. No, it's great. It's great, great conversation. Couldn't have a better show to lead us off. No kidding. And I love these strategies. And, and I feel like I play the role of every man on this podcast, but it's years and years of thinking about commercial real estate. I don't, I don't know. It's still, I'm always worried about the personal finance component. And I feel like I asked Al the first time he was on and I've asked every single person involved in commercial lending since. But you're no different than most, right? Because most people out there, they're, you mean, one of their goals is to buy their own residence. And when you go through that financing process, the bank says, okay, Matt, tell me more about Matt. Yeah. Matt, 
tell me more. How much does Matt make? Matt, tell me more about Matt's family. Where it's just you, you, you. That's right. all they care about. And then the property is almost a secondary. Exactly, right? yeah. Versus in commercial, it's almost flipped around that although your covenant's important, they're more concerned about, tell me more about your tenants. How much are the tenants paying? How long are the tenants staying for? What condition is the building in? So there's much more onus on the building standpoint, which gives you a, a pretty good opportunity, which Al talks about, how you can expand your portfolio where he talks about guys going from one to three to five properties relatively quickly. But that's part of it is strategic buying, buying right. the right asset, in the right area, getting the income up on the property, creates additional cash flow. That cash flow can now service greater debt. That debt can be relieved through refinancing. Strategic buying. I love that. No, it was a great episode and uh, and so, so many takeaways there. Before we go, Corey, what else do we got? 2022. We are loaded with shows. This I feel, I feel like we, we took three, four weeks off and it was basically just lining up guests. That's all we like did. Like you were in Whistler for a couple of days, but other than that. I was up there meeting guests. It was persuading it was just, people to join us. This is going to be a great year for the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. That is a hundred percent guarantee. I will guarantee it right now. The onus is on Corey to, to perform, but uh, <laughs> well, the good thing is if we get 20 listeners this year, we've doubled last year already. So we're, we're heading in the right we're direction. We're 2X. We're 2X. <laughs> yeah. Who else is growing a podcast at those rates? <laughs> but uh, how, how can people uh, find more about what you're doing over at, uh, at William Wright, Corey? They can visit our website, williamwright.ca, which we have a brand new website we're looking oh. to launch in the next three or four weeks. It's been about a three or four-month undertaking to get us this far, which we can't wait to get that out ready to go. They can call us at our Vancouver office at 604-428-5255 anytime. Tell us what your needs are, and we'll put you in touch with the best broker throughout the province that services your needs. As well as we got, uh, you can drop me an email at corey at williamwright.ca. Always happy to hear how people are enjoying the show. And I must say, over the holidays, I got so many emails from so many listeners. It was awesome. And they were like telling us, what they loved about it. They were making suggestions on other episodes they'd love to hear more about. They were keeping us informed kind of what's going on in their business. So it was great to hear from everyone. So always happy to talk real estate. Send me an email anytime. Fantastic. And of course, these episodes live at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com where we do have the episodes transcribed as well. So if you'd like to kind of go through, get the Coles Notes version, or you're thinking back to the third question, you want to you want to think about it more, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I think I was the third question. You might want to miss that one. But uh, all these episodes live over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com where all things real estate reside. And uh, have a w- great week. And we're back. We're back on schedule we're, we're now. Back we're on. back every week. Week in, week out. Every Tuesday. Whether you want us to or not, we're coming. (laughs) All right. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe today.